This is Nobody Asked for This, a pop culture podcast hosted by two women who can't stop arguing about movies. I'm Marilyn Minton, and my co-host is Aishna Sarkar. Join us as we debate and lament what Hollywood is giving. Nobody Asked for This, the Oscar nominations. got a lot to cover so I think we should dive right in what were your initial reactions to the Oscar nominations yeah I'm just lethargic it's been a really tough day as like a proud member of the Babylon Hive the wind has been knocked out of my sails so I refuse to care about the Oscar nominations because this should have been the picture maybe not best picture but it should have won an award for the picture and um so I don't care. So, well, have, feel free hosting this one alone because the Babylon Hive will only get stronger in five years, you'll see. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, Babylon is going to be discussed in film school. It's going to be on lists. If it's not, I will make the lists. <laughs> I will teach the film studies courses. The Babylon Hive is out there. I was scrolling. It's right Twitter. here. It's right it's here. Right sorry, here. I'm, sorry yeah. I'm apathetic. It's right here. <laughs> I was scrolling through Twitter. I literally just searched Babylon. And like actually every tweet on film Twitter is positive about Babylon. So I don't really know. I don't know what's going on. Like, are we in the minority or the majority? I literally can't tell. But I just know that over time, people will come to see it for what it is. I think that you conflating film Twitter with the majority is a very Los Angeles thing to do because film Twitter it's is telling. actually just a film Twitter is a very niche corner, a circle of hell of the hellscape that is the internet. Um, Film Twitter is a weird circle, but it is not indicative of the greater population. All of my film friends love Babylon, and all of my normal friends made inquiries into my mental health because of it. But this isn't about Babylon. You've pushed the Babylon podcast to another recording. This is about the Oscars, so go for it. I don't care. Are normal people going to see Babylon? I wasn't aware of that. This isn't the Babylon pod, apparently, so... All that to say, we will be doing a Babylon episode. We have both watched the film twice, and I plan on not abiding by any norms when it comes to spoilers for our Babylon episode. I've taken notes on every scene, so please come back for that and be ready to discuss it in full. All right, let's go back to the Oscar nominations, which basically don't include Babylon, so I guess it's irrelevant. All right, here are our nominees for Best Picture. Well, okay, actually, yes. no, I'm I'm not excited for Best Picture, but it is kind of, the slate is kind of what I wanted it to be for some time. So, like, you have weird auteur films that film Twitter loves and that Letterboxd loves. You have Tar and The Banshees of Inishirin, and then you have Token war movie and all quiet on the western front um you have your token you have the token of foreign film that started since like parasite and then uh i think it was drive my car last year and all of that stuff you have that with what is it triangle of sadness uh you have like the classic hollywood one in the fablemans you have really fun crowd pleasers like everything everywhere all at once and elvis you have mother freaking avatar and top gun (laughs) 
And then you have like one 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 movie about women. I don't know. So like it's like kind of a nice a nice it's like a healthy mix of popular films and auteur films. So I'm not very upset at the best films list other than my sweet other baby Lon. Yeah. 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 Yes, it's true. It is kind of a good coverage of the whole industry. Let's let's read through it. So we've got All Quiet on the Western Front. This is a German film. It's on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, I have to admit. We've sure. got Avatar, which I have not seen yet either. <laughs> oh my god. Avatar Just... was an experience. <laughs> um, I haven't heard great things, but I'm sure it's gonna be fun to watch in theaters. You look offended. What are what what's your general thought on Avatar? I just think you doubt the fact that Big Jim is him, and who is he? He is him, and him is Big Jim. The reason why I latch onto Top Gun and Avatar this year is that these are just like thoughtless Marvel movies, CGI, CGI extravaganzas that are just put through a conveyor belt and spit out in three months. The amount of work that was put into like creating the world of Avatar, not the characters or the script, but the world, is so incredible. And if there's one thing Big Jim can do, it's it's water. It's ships and it's water. And it's water. It's the way you, of water. I just, I don't understand if we're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a film, why they can't throw in just a little bit more effort into the script and the characters that you so lovingly glossed over. But I, you know, I respect, I respect the things that keep the film industry humming along. I don't think Avatar is worthy of a Best Picture nomination. I think Top Gun is. That's my take. That's my take. Okay, next. Our third Best Picture nominee is The Banshees of Inishirin. That's Martin McDonough's film. You have to do all of your bit about this film in an Irish accent. I cannot. I cannot. Though, side note, when I was 11, my mom <laughs> directed Martin McDonough's play The Cripple of Inishman, a very similar title, and I was in sixth grade, so I skipped school every day to go <laughs> to rehearsal where she was rehearsing this play. And we did speak in Irish accents for a very long time. So Martin McDonough does have a special place in my heart. And this film very much felt like one of those plays. At the same time, I gotta say, don't know if it's worth nine Oscar nominations. This is in second place for the most oscar nominations do you feel like banshees was at that level i don't think the number of oscar nominations matter because i think in the 2019 or 2020 oscars guess which film had the most nominations that year we're talking 2019 we're talking the the year that is parasite this the year won. of year that parasite won this is a fun game isn't it for podcast yeah, listeners this is, out there this is just this is listening fun. to her think <laughs> I'll edit that out. Um, I want to say like a Netflix movie. I don't know. What is it? Joker. It was Joker. <laughs> so pot, like the number of nominations don't matter. Like The Shape of Water had 14 during in 2017, which is a ridiculously stacked year that like they doesn't nominate the amount of nominations don't matter. So it's like, does Banshees deserve this? It doesn't matter. And I actually I quite loved liked Banshees. I dated an Irishman for about two years. Um, mm. And I watched Banshees in theaters, and I understood maybe 70%. With, with that training of dating an Irishman, Irish-American, for like two years, um, I still understood only 70% of the dialogue. 
I have a few comments on what you just said. One, hate Joker. <laughs> Two, love Shape of Water. <laughs> no. <laughs> Three, I would have loved to have subtitles on when I was watching Banshee's of yeah. Fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the performances are good. It's a good story. I don't know. I mean, I hear you on that it, the number of nominations doesn't matter. And I think overall this contributes to the question of like, what do the Oscar nominations matter? They don't matter as in three years later, like no one cares that Green Book won Best Picture. I mean, if they care, they care in a very negative way. Yeah, you're, you're fuming. I just mean it's not going to go down on any list as it, like a good film. It's an important film perhaps because it shows how far we've fallen off track. So I agree that these nominations and the number of nominations don't matter that way. But they do in terms of how these films are marketed and like the job that agents do, which is for the next few months, calling every studio and saying, so-and-so blah, 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 this is the most nominated film for the Oscars. And studio executives have zero taste. So they just hear that number, that statistic, and they're like, absolutely, we will buy your next film. That's so in that sense, they sadly, sadly very much matter to the business of film. That's fair. I don't, yeah, that's fair. I guess the thing about Banshees is that I think that it's interesting that Banshees and Everything Everywhere All at Once are the two films that sort of lead the pack in terms of nominations and also I think in terms of of what's going to win um, mm-hmm. because Everything Everywhere All at Once came out at the beginning of, of the year it came out a very long time ago and and maybe even like December of 2021 I lied no, sometimes so that wasn't true uh, so Everything Everywhere All at Once came out March 11th 2022 I gotta say, this is incredible representation for a March release of a film. I have never seen this many nominations for a March release of a film. Yeah, that's insane. And I'm so happy. And then Banshees also, it was kind of a sleeper hit. And it wasn't really Mm -hmm. until it got on streaming that it started popping up everywhere, that memes started popping, popping up everywhere about Colin Farrell's eyebrows. Like, uh, and I just find it so interesting that these two films sort of organically grew yes. their audience and their critical acclaim and their their reputation and I, I just and so the fact that I guess it got lots of nominations is really fun because it isn't just uh, the Harvey Weinstein big studios huge marketing for like a campaign um yeah type no of I, I think so. I think it's fun and I think it is organic and like based on quality of work um I suppose I just it's not that I wish something else was in its place I just don't know if to me, it rises to that level, but I'll accept it. I'm not against it. You know, I'm a Scotch Irish girl. I'm happy for my representation of my people. <laughs> well, I mean, the Irish did really, really well this uh, <laughs> this this Oscars. What else? Are, what else is Irish? Um, so for best foreign picture, you have The Quiet Girl, which is okay. one of my cool. like top five or six films this year. is really fantastic. Um, you have Brendan Gleeson, you have Colin Farrell, you have um, Paul Mescal in the acting categories. Mm-hmm. I think you have Banshees, oh, we're gonna get lot, to all including this. Martin McDonough. So, like the Irish representation is quite uh, quite nice in this. Um, we've, we've come the Oscars all the way. Doling out reparations for you guys. <laughs> Beautiful. So, okay, back to just going one by one through our best picture. I also want to add 
that after Everything Everywhere All at Once with 11 nominations, Banshees has nine nominations tied with All Quiet on the Western Front. So those those are the ones leading the pack. Um, but going in alphabetical order, next we've got Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Thoughts on Elvis? Do you love Elvis? You must. Um, no, I Knowing gave it like you. two and a half stars. Um, okay, okay. I'm fully on board of like Austin Butler's stupid fake accent like he sounds he, he was like raised in anaheim and yet he sounds like he yes. belongs to like the dylan panthers like he sounds like he's, yeah, he's say, keeping like, it up clear eyes full hearts can't lose can't like texas lose. forever um i've completely blocked out tom hanks's performance uh, someone recently just reminded Scarring. me that tom hanks was in elvis i blocked out the last 10 years of his filmography to be quite honest so it's um, tough it's tough is anyone going to see a man called Otto? <laughs> i've once again blocked out the past 10 years of his filmography i don't know what that is and i i have immediately you don't want it's, to yeah yeah um, i i like I it elvis, i don't know whatever elvis is fine definitely don't think it's worth best picture it did make a lot of money which is nice i guess for a non-action marvel film i think austin butler is good but yeah i thought it was incomprehensible and tom hanks was so bad i'd rather a crazy maximalist film like elvis than like yes. bohemian rhapsody you know <laughs> yeah i'll take that so I'll take that. the bar is low for the oscars i know so. the bar is the bar is so low this is better than last year it's better so than much. last year so take my you know take my negativity with a grain of salt i am thankful for 2022's years of movies all right next we've discussed it a little bit already Everything, everywhere, all at once. The epic A24 picture released in March. <laughs> the little engine that could. <laughs> are you a, are you a huge Everything, Everywhere stan? I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I think it's probably the favorite to win. Um, and yeah. I'm really happy about that. Uh, I, I hate, like, its fans. I feel the way about <laughs> Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, the way I feel about Taylor Swift, where it's like, I really like it. Uh, I appreciated it. At one point, I was a stan, but because the internet mm. fans are so awful that I've just, like, hit the brakes on it a little bit and can appreciate it from a distance. I'll leave that there. <laughs> I'll leave that there. I'm happy for its success, though. I'm happy. We have Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Of course, this was nominated. Thoughts on The Fablemans? Yeah, I've seen all of Steven Spielberg's movies, all 33 of them, including, um, like, his very first film, which is just about a man being chased by a truck. I... Love him. I love the Fablemans. You love him. I, yeah, I love him. I love the Fablemans. Uh, it's weird. It's like it was marketed as like a we love the movies, uh, like movie, but it's really like a weird psychosexual drama about his mother. Um, that is uh, a yeah. take. Yeah, a psychosexual drama. Yes. There were moments where I thought it was going to be going in a direction mm -hmm. that it, it didn't go. Like, there was some subtext, but I don't know if Steven intended that. Maybe. I don't know. He's an auteur. <laughs> mm, mm, he is. He is. I liked The Fablemans much more than I expected to because, gotta say, not a big Steven girl. <laughs> a very hot take. Not a big Steven girl. Just find a lot of the dialogue, like, in all his recent movies again last 10 years just I don't know I hate to call something corny because that's so reductive but it is just like it's just straight corn it's just like my teeth hurt after from the sweetness I just can't take it it's also he doesn't leave any room for subtext like he thinks that viewers can't come up with any like themes or understanding of things 
and he has to like hammer home his theme so much and that kind of drives me crazy but i will say i ended up really enjoying the fablemans i thought the beginning and the last section were not so good but the whole middle section of like him making movies was great so i'll give it that everything you said about steven spielberg was so false but that's fine we'll move on I invite you. I invite you to respond. He's not saccharine. He gets this like thing of, oh, Steven Spielberg is corny and saccharine and super sweet. He's not. He's actually like quite cynical about about the world and about authority figures. And and that's why I think he places so many of his films um, with a child as the main viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And in terms of like subtext and stuff, I think it's just been beaten out of us because we we I don't know what I'm going to say. Edit this part out or not. Who cares? But I just, like, if you watch movies like Jaws, or if you watch movies like Artificial Intelligence, or Minority Report, or Close Encounters of the Third Kind, or Munich, um, it's it's a super, like, shades of gray, sort of nuanced take on these big ideas. This is very boring to the listeners. This is mostly, I'm lecturing you now. I am just lecturing you. My audience is you. So watch more Steven Spielberg movies. Fine. All right. Next, we've got Tar. Uh, we spent a ton of time beating Tar into the ground on our first episode. Originally, Tar was crowned my favorite film of the year. Babylon has knocked it to its rightful spot at number two. But I still love Tar. I still think it's fantastic. Happy it made it here. No surprises. We'll move forward. Top Gun Maverick. Again, we beat this one into the ground. Though I will say, since we last spoke, I finally watched Top Gun Maverick on a cruise ship <laughs> in my yeah. windowless room. Hell uh, yeah. Definitely not the type of screening environment that one is supposed to watch Top Gun in, so I feel like my opinion on it doesn't matter. It is fun. It is great. I don't have any issue with Top Gun. I think it deserves to be in this list. I thought the dialogue was lacking and I thought Miles Teller was miscast unless they were trying to make it funny, which it was funny to me. Everything he did was funny to me. Um, loved Glenn though, loved what Glenn. About, what about when Miles Teller was doing push-ups and then he like spit a little bit? My house rewatches that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally silent because I used to be attracted to Miles Teller and this movie made me like not into him at all like listen, just completely desexualized him for me. Listen, listen you listeners out there, if any of you guys have a bad dye job, an incredible mustache and can rock a Hawaiian shirt and aviators, call me. Get my number She's from single. Maryland and call me. She's single, slide into my DMs and I'll I don't help even you need to be single for that. I'm sending out a beacon. I will be waiting for Tom Cruise or Glenn Powell and you can have Miles. Happily. I'm good. Happily. Okay, perfect. We don't have to fight on that. Second to last nominee in the best picture category, we have Triangle of Sadness. Have you seen Triangle? Yes. Yeah. No? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's a little it's a little obvious about what it's trying to do. It doesn't ever go somewhere else, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I like seeing it in this best picture lineup. I don't know the French like it. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. Lastly, we have your favorite film of the year women talking. <laughs> I love it. That 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 was a uh, fun fact. That was like are the what this podcast could have been named, but we were like, no, 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 we won't take that away from Sarah Polly. We will let her have that. Um. I have I have now watched Women Talking since we last spoke. I spoke about being excited to watch it. I, <laughs> oh 
I'll tread carefully here. I'll you tread heard carefully. it here first. She's a misogynist. Marilyn is a misogynist, guys. Spread that around. Here, okay, here's my actually very earnest thing I want to say about women talking. I can't say that this is, like, my favorite film to watch or one that I want to watch again. I do find this film interesting in terms of, this is going to be very earnest, but as it says in the opening, this film is an act of female imagination. And if you read about the process of making the film, all the lead actors talk about this being like the very best experience shooting a film ever. Like Rooney Mara, she's actually pregnant while they're shooting it, right? And wait, wait, about... sorry, sorry. Cutting into your earnestness. Um, do you know who Rooney Mara's parents are? No. Is she a Nepo baby? She's like, her dad owns the Steelers. And her mom owns, like, the Patriots. She's not enough. It's to the point where, like, separately they own two football, like, NFL teams. So she's born into extreme wealth. <laughs> yeah. Love to hear her talk I... for, like, two and a half hours. <laughs> Sorry, she's also, like, with Joaquin Phoenix. I'm very jealous of her, but... Yeah, I know. I That's a that's a favorite Hollywood relationship. I, w I will say I was moved by interviews about their process of making it, and it almost made me not care whether I enjoyed this as a piece of entertainment. Like, it more just is kind of this odd, like, experiment in making a film uh, that's completely gray where they just talk, and I feel like they made it. You're <laughs> just rolling your eyes at me. I'm just gonna cut this out. <laughs> No, no, it's worth it. It's worth it. This is actually, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. I don't, I don't know what I, I have I'm to not rolling my now. eyes at you. I'm rolling my eyes yes, at the fact that. Yes, you are. No, I'm rolling my eyes at the fact that she should have been nominated for Best Director. Well, that would be a good point to make. Yeah, I'm not rolling my eyes at you. I'm saying she apparently created a lovely set that all of the actors really love being on, and that is, I think, a mark of a really good director, and so she should have been nominated in Best Director. It which is. Which is the I, next category we're, we're going to talk about. <laughs> I don't even want to look at the best director list. I don't want to talk about the best director list. It's just white men. And Daniel Kwan. Hey, it's... And Daniel Kwan! <laughs> it is... It's just men. Another year with no women nominated for best director. Bit of a snub for Sarah Polly. I don't know who else was, like, snubbed here, though. Um, I would say that, like, one of the biggest ones would be Gina Prince-Blythewood, who did The Women King. And who I actually think should have won for Love and Basketball, uh, one of my favorite movies, a phenomenal movie. She should have been nominated, uh, I know that people were saying, uh, Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Uh, that was an option. on that film, but there are just, there are quite a few movies directed by women, so to just see the same. Spielberg there. I think that the reason why is those women would have taken the place of uh, probably Spielberg, and uh, the Academy doesn't have the balls to, to kick Stevie out. Yeah, I I wish someone like Steven Spielberg, it could just be, hey, he's been nominated enough. Like, like, can we at a certain point graduate out of being nominated in this category? Because it, we've gotten to this strange place where you have, you know, nine or ten films nominated for Best Picture and only five for Best Director. And it's always just so confusing to me because, I don't know, how can you say these films are worthy of Best Picture but their direction is not... This you know, like I mean, this is this is actually the first time in a couple years that usually the best director uh, has one film that wasn't nominated, like for best picture. I think, which has been odd. 
Yeah, I think, like, uh, Cold War was the biggest example of that, the Pavel Kowalski film. Um, So sometimes they do that, and I think that's fun, because that's messy. Um, Because that's when they're like, (laughs) we really didn't like your campaign. (laughs) Yeah, but this is such an obvious list. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to at least list who they are. List who they are. Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inishirin. You say Inishirin. Is that how we say it? It's not Inishirin. I, I said, <laughs> Sh- I said Banshees of Ed Sheeran for some, some time until I was corrected. Martin McDonough for Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Uh, we've got the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Do you think they're going to win? I think they might win this. I think it's either Todd Field or Ruben Osmond. Really? No, I don't know. I didn't think, I didn't give this any thought. Or maybe you didn't give it any thought. <laughs> no, I no well, I'm asking you now. Maybe Everything Everywhere wins Best Picture oh, and then Todd Field. <laughs> what do you, what do you, th- yeah, we didn't even go over this. What do you think's going to win Best Picture? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I put my money right now on Everything Everywhere. And then for director, they'll give it to someone else. Has Martin, did Martin McDonough win for Three Billboards? No. The movie. Uh, I maybe I'll put my money on Todd Field for Tar for Best Director. As we know, I love that movie, and I'd be happy to have that. All right, this is where we can start getting into into the shitter, the acting nominations. For Best Actor, we've got Austin. Wait, Butler. do you think they're bad? I liked like three out of four of the acting uh, noms. Three out of four of them, I was I- like, this is pretty great. I think that they're just, I think they're chaotic. I think they're, I think it's a chaotic list. Okay, Austin Butler, we expected. Sure, Colin yes. Farrell for Banshees, we expected. Yes. Brendan Fraser for The Whale, we definitely expected. Did you see The Whale? Yes. Okay. I refuse to see The Whale. I don't want to see The Whale. I don't need to see this It's not bad because it's fat shaming. It's bad because Darren Aronofsky is a bad director. That's my... <laughs> take on will it's just bad because darren aronofsky is bad <laughs> i'm fine with that take because i'm never gonna see it i know brendan fraser means a lot to a lot of people i'm gonna admit it i've still never seen the mummy <laughs> have, wait have you seen have you seen this is like important for like yeah just like a woman's a young girl's sexual awakening but have you seen the movie school ties no it's basically like dead poet society but like anti-semitism too because it's like mm. it's got like uh brendan fraser plays uh, like a Jewish kid who's going to this fancy Northeastern private school where like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and like this group of like 90s it boys are essentially like anti-semitic popular jerks <laughs> and it's <laughs> and, like he teaches them like the meaning of being open-minded or like or, or an honor or some shit but it's it's oh my god it's like peak 90s heartthrob like boys okay. in private school um okay it's grand you should watch I don't ties. even think I don't even think I knew that Brendan Fraser like had a heartthrob phase. I just, I honestly just think of the Mummy. Like I'm, I'm missing the Brendan Fraser phenomenon. I'm missing it. Have you seen like <laughs> Encino Man or like, um, no? Have you seen George of the Jungle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why that makes him like an icon. I don't it doesn't, get it. It doesn't make him an icon. Have you seen the Scrubs episodes he was in? Um. I think that with Brendan Fraser, it's like a, um, here's a guy who was poised to be big, and then at some point his career sort of fell off, but he is a guy in Hollywood that has zero bad stories attached to his name, which is like, Mm. (laughs) apparently an incredibly difficult thing to do, Um, and then he came out in 2017 as being like a victim of sexual abuse from Hollywood, and 
Hollywood didn't really rally around him at the time, um, but now it's sort of like one of those really good feel-good redemption stories with a hero yeah. that we don't normally see, which is like a genuinely good guy. We don't really have any genuinely good guys. We get a lot of redemption stories about like women and people of color because, you know, patriarchy, but we don't for Brendan Fraser, so I think that's why, uh, I don't know, there's so much love for him, you know? Yeah, he's definitely the one to beat in this category. I was happy to see Paul Mezcal for After Sun, even though we know I have a controversial take on After Sun. One of my biggest disappointments of the year. Do you think Phoebe and Bo are going to watch the Oscars? <laughs> Phoebe and Bo? Who's Bo? Bo Burnham. She's dating Bo Burnham now. They broke up? I didn't know Phoebe and Paul broke up. Yeah, apparently Phoebe and Paul broke up and Bo Burnham and Lorraine Scarfaria, who directed <gasps> Hustlers, also broke up and they're like, That's one of my Bo favorite. <sighs> yeah. Bo, Bo, that was one of my favorite Hollywood couples. Yeah, Ugh. I know. I'm really bummed up. about that. Yeah, yeah you, so guess... while, while your Twitter is all about Babylon, my, my Twitter is. <laughs> I don't have Twitter, to be clear. I literally typed in Twitter Babylon. I just wanted to see what the top tweets were. <laughs> like, I don't tweet. That's my research for what the people are saying. Um, okay, lastly, very, very big surprise for me here was Bill Nye for Living. Have you seen this film or um, even heard about it? quick, Bill Nye, not Bill Nye. Bill Nye is a different guy. No. A science no, guy. No, it's Bill Nye. It's Bill Nye. I had a debate with, uh, I, I saw a screening of this film at the Academy, and he was there, and so we had a debate about it, and he said his name, and he said Bill Nye. Wow. He didn't say Nye. So is he the movie guy? There is needs the to be movie? some sort of distinction. The distinction is that he is nominated for an Oscar for the worst film that I saw this year. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted. I'm sending you shirtless photos of Brendan Fraser because you said that you didn't see him as a heartthrob. Focus. I Focus. Am. Um, did you see Living or even hear about Living? Uh, I did. One of my friends uh, had a friend that worked on it, and it's supposed to be really good. So I will say no bad things about it. It's terrible. It's genuinely... Oh. <laughs> it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It, like, really... It takes slowness to new heights. Um, okay. Uh, let's move over to Best Supporting Actor. Uh, we've got Brendan Gleeson for Banshees. We also have, how do we say Barry's last name for Banshees? Do you know? Uh, Keegan? Uh, Keegan? Barry Keegan. Very, very strange looking young man. Uh, does a lovely job in this film. I'm not supposed to say things like that, but I said it anyway. Uh, does a lovely job in this film. I don't know. Did they need to take up, like, this many of the acting nominations? Yeah, I thought they were all good. I, I don't- I, I loved Barry Keegan's- I loved his, uh, Dracula's Tat Dream. Um. <laughs> Alright, well, we've got them in here. We've got, uh, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. He's so small and cute. Like, he looks like he is 14 and he will be forever. So little. Good for him. Good for him. Was he, was, who's Judd Hirsch? Like, what was he in? Why do I know his I name? I have absolutely no idea. I just know that he's a little cutie. He's a, I thought he was pretty good. He was, oh, he was in Uncut Gems. That's why, that's why he sounds familiar. <laughs> what did he, who was he in that? Um, he was Gooey. I don't know why I asked that. Like, I know the <laughs> character names of Uncut Gems off the top of my head. He was like, he was his father-in-law. So he was a Dina Menzel's uh, dad. Judd Hirsch? 
Yeah. Wait, I thought Judd Hirsch was the little boy. No. Oh my god. I was I was I was <laughs> wondering why you thought Judd Hirsch was so cute, but I was gonna Wait, let that I'm go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I <laughs> like, thought that I thought that the boy who plays young Steven Spielberg is nominated for this film. It's it's like the uncle. No. Yeah, it's it's the uncle Absolutely that's like not. A, yeah, that's Absolutely like, um, not. <laughs> you have to suffer and give up your family to create art. <laughs> he got a nom no. No 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 no. No 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 no. Yeah, That's I was really it was like it was weird when you kept on calling him like tiny and cute, but I was like, you don't think uh Brendan Fraser is a heartthrob, but you like Judd Hirsch, <laughs> this is explaining things now. No, Gabriel LaBelle is the name of the little boy. Oh, he could have gotten like a little nom. eighteen. It's <laughs> the name of the little boy. <laughs> All right. Well, that's random. Did we say Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway? Also, I'm kind of a random pick. So happy about that. I love that. Happy um, for him. He's. I'm have you happy, seen it? Yeah, I'm happy whenever anything good Unexpected. happens to. Well, anything good happens to Brian Tyree Henry. Um, and I'm also really liking that, like with. Uh, with Paul Mescal as well, we're sort of rewarding performances by actors that are quite quiet and, like, sensitive. Mm. Um, mm. And I really like that, because not everyone can be, like, Al Pacino, like, hoo you know? It's my <laughs> you like that because you're looking for a quiet, sensitive boy? <laughs> I'm looking for, once again, if any of you have bleached hair, a mustache, and can rock aviators, <laughs> come to London. <laughs> they don't have okay. them here. Lastly, we have the almost certain winner of this category, Kihi Kwan. Is that what Kwan. 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 Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. He's gonna uh, win. Yeah, he's going to win. The rest of these people should just go home. Um, mm -hmm. If people don't know the reason that people are kind of so moved by his story, I guess similar to the Brendan Fraser vibe, is that he was a young actor in The Goonies in Indiana Jones. Short round. <laughs> Woo! Um, and there's a quote of him saying he never thought he would work in movies again, and then this came along. He's fantastic. Um, he won at the Golden Globes. I'm sure he will take it home for this category as well, and I'm fine with that. Um, I'm going to say something controversial, though. Uh, Brad Pitt should obviously be in this category. His performance... His performance in Babylon <clears throat> is phenomenal. He should be in this. I actually thought he was the weakest part of Babylon. We'll get to it. We'll get to it in our Babylon episode. Yeah. Did you see my poster just straighten when you said that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know that when I say the, the name Brad Pitt with love, uh, it's going to get the back of your, the hairs I on might, the back of your neck standing up. I might like, I might, I mean, obviously I don't do drugs uh, just for my mm -hmm. future career employers. and politics uh -huh. and yeah, yeah future employers i don't do drugs um that being said and i've and i've never done drugs and i will never touch drugs um uh -huh. i might do coke before the babylon pod just to we, like i mean we might re have recreate the experience for research for research yeah, yeah i'm fine yeah. with that I'm fine yeah, with yeah. That. <laughs> all right moving on to best supporting actress this is a fun category all right we've got angela bassett for black she's Panther. gonna win you think so yeah easily yeah I guess so. This is the first time that someone from a Marvel film has been nominated. Good for first her. Time, it's the first time Angela Bassett's been nominated. Are you serious? Which is insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. All right. We've, we've got um, Hong Xiao for The Whale. Mm -hmm. uh, she's always getting nominated. Good for her. 
We've got Carrie Condon for the Banshees of Inishirin. Once again, I'm gonna say, she's great. I don't know. I don't know how everyone from this film got nominated. Amazing job to the to the publicist on this team. Oh, I'm so sorry. Angela Bassett was nominated for What's Love Got to Do With It. Um, but she's never won. Nominated but she's never won. She's going to win this year. Okay, fair. Then we had a little bit of a dramatic lead up for our final two. So Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue both got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Everything Everywhere. And there was some there was some tea on the internet about the fact that I guess A24, the publicist, Hollywood were all kind of pushing Jamie Lee and they weren't pushing Stephanie. Did you see rumblings about that? Um, I did, and I really love your note here is good they were both nominated because this was drama. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to have to pod today and be like, Jamie Lee got nominated and Stephanie Sue yeah, didn't. I think it's because A24 didn't realize like what a mark Everything Everywhere All at Once would make uh, in mm. like the award circus circle, so they just went with their most recognizable actor. There's no reason Jamie Lee Curtis should be nominated. Dolly DeLeon should should take her place from Triangle of Sadness. Um, but I do the, the reason why I think Angela Bassett's going to win is that I think that everything, everywhere, all at once group is going to split the vote. Is going to um, split them. My biggest snub is where is Jenny from the Banshees of Inisherin? Who's Oh, the, the donkey? The donkey. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Heartbroken. Heartbroken to, when Jenny To died. raise the oscars like profile to get billions of people to watch it they should have like animal awards i've been saying this since bradley cooper's dog was in a star is born and broke my heart like they should have an animal awards in the oscars i'm not against that my favorite bachelor podcast and commentators game of roses they have a creature of the week for every episode they pick their favorite creature because there's there's always like an eagle there's a cat there's yes. a chicken. They should they should have here's the lineup. It's Jenny from Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm. It's the do, the do, uh, the the other donkey, Eo, from the movie Eo. Um Okay. There's uh Dog from the movie Dog, you know? Um Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's there's I How think about Charlie... the whales? No. In, um... Oh, the whales from Avatar? Yes. <laughs> the whales um, in Avatar. Yes. And then I think the uh the Charlie Cooper, Bradley Cooper's aforementioned dog, should get it for his star-making turn. Po- posthumously get it for pa- Star Posthumously. <laughs> pa. He's he's still alive. Charlie Cooper's still alive, but he should he should still get the uh, the award for twenty eighteen. Academy, are you listening? We have an idea. This is to how we save... get you ratings. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. You telling me okay, if they didn't we... bring a whale to the Academy Awards that, like, a million people won't watch, won't, like, turn in and I mean, once again, that's the Babylon Hive talking, <laughs> because, as we know, the opening is an elephant taking the a elephant huge shit. The elephant from he Babylon. Be, the elephant from Babylon would have to be in this category. And the alligator. The alligator. Surprise hit. <laughs> yeah, Babylon, Babylon would split the votes, and then it would go to Jenny. Like it, it's exactly, exactly, it's too predictable. That's why it's not there. It's too predictable. Yeah, I guess it's now. too obvious that Jenny would win. It's mm-hmm. Too obvious. Yeah. Um, Where okay, best lead actress. Oh um, boy, <laughs> let's let, let me. I know you have thoughts on this, so let me just read through. You just them run through it. Run we, through it. Run let's, through it. Let's yeah. run through it. Kate Blanchett for Tar. Duh. Anna Armas for Blonde. Another contenture. A contenture. Anna Darmus for Blonde, uh, which also is in the running for Worst Movie of the Year. 
Surprise nomination for Andrea Riceboro for To Leslie, which I have not heard of. I will come to your thoughts in a second. Michelle Williams in The Fablemans. I still can't decide whether I thought she was amazing or absolutely dreadful in this. <laughs> Lastly, uh, Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere. Again, this is probably her category. Go ahead, friend. Okay. Um, first of all, this is a two. I don't want to <laughs> equate women to animals because then they would be in my best animals category. This is a two horse race between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. So yeah. the other three are just like whatever. Um, They're happy to be here. I, okay, <laughs> Andrea Riseborough. Yes. I have a story. We need to chat about this one. And by chat, it means I need to monologue at you for a little bit because you don't Thank know what's you. going on. Um, okay. How does a film that made $27,000 at the box office that no one was talking about a month ago get a big nomination? It is. I'd never heard of it until this morning. I'd never yeah. heard of Too Leslie. It is one of the biggest orchestrated campaigns in a while and might change the way that like Oscar campaigning works. So so first of all, first, the movie comes out. It's like about alcoholism or something. I don't know. Um, it stars Mark Maron, uh, and I have a crush on him from the show Glow. So that's not uh, important, but people should watch the show Glow. Mark so- Maron, I'll also, I have the Wikipedia page up because like I said, I hadn't heard of it. It's got Allison Janney in it. Um, and it premiered at South by Southwest in March, and it had a limited release by Momentum Pictures in October. Yes, it had a limited release, low budget, zero marketing, makes maybe 27000 at the box office. All of a sudden, literally (laughs) on- a bizarrely low number, to be clear. Yes. All of a sudden, literally on the day that there's a five-day voting period for the Oscars, on the day that that voting period starts- a heck ton of celebrities start raving about this film that came out in March. Start raving about this film, specifically Andrea's performance. Like, I'm talking, like, the big leagues. Like, Jane Fonda, Kate Winslet, Jennifer Aniston, Susan Sarandon, Gwyneth Paltrow, all posted on Instagram about it. Even Edward Norton tweeted about it. And the craziest part was that all of the tweets had the same exact line. To Leslie is a small film with a big heart. Andrea Riseborough's performance is unforgettable. That's fishy. Why is this happening? Who is funding this? Apparently, it has been traced back to Mary McCormick, who is married to Michael Morris, who is the writer of To Leslie. Mary McCormick is also friends with Andrea Riseborough. She started this grassroots campaign. She's also friends with a bunch of famous Hollywood women, like Jane Fonda, Kate Winslet, Jennifer Aniston, Susan Sarandon. Um, And she clearly orchestrated this whole deal to create a lot of buzz, because if there's, like, one thing the Academy loves, it's to pander to the cool kids club. It's, like, to pander to Gwynny and and Jen, you know? And and, and so, like, basically, I I saw a tweet that was, like, why waste time and money on a huge campaign when you could just know a dozen famous white ladies with Twitter? Like, but wait, wait. Wait. Everyone associated with this has said that this is a grassroots campaign, uh-huh. right? It's just getting famous friends to, like, throw screening It's the grass that grows it. in Malibu. Exactly. Exactly. Like, imported from Spain or wherever. Um, but <laughs> I refuse to believe that this is just grassroots. There has to be a conspiracy. As you said, who produced this film? Um, okay, production companies. 
I'm sorry, none of these are like major production companies. Let's just say super independent, then went to South by Southwest, which is, you know, a good festival, but it's not Sundance. And then Momentum Pictures is who distributed it. Momentum Pictures is the distributor of Two Leslie. Now, if you do some research on Momentum Pictures, it is owned by Hasbro. Hasbro, famously not a film company, famously a toy company, but it owns this film company because we live in a capitalist hellscape. So, Momentum doesn't have much money. Hasbro has a heck ton of money. Momentum put out... The history of Momentum is that it did put out a bunch of, like, big-name oscar films. It put out Lost in Translation, Eternal Sunshine, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? It put on The King's Steech, which is a, the worst movie of those, but it won. Um, and then in 2013, it, like, it petered out, and then I think it was revived under a different studio in 2015, blah, 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 and now only distributes a few movies a year that no one cares about. Um... So so, but so momentum doesn't have that deep pockets. Hasbro does. I think the Hasbro toy company is behind a lot of this. I think on the next Goop like Christmas wish list, there's going to be a lot of Hasbro products because Hasbro has Gwyneth on their payroll to dish out Oscar campaigns. <sighs> That's my piece on to Leslie. That and it worked. That monologue was worth the price of admission. I have to say. I also, I mean, your invoking of Hasbro, the premier toy company, makes me think of another toy company, one Furry Pets, <laughs> where Allison Williams is employed in Megan. <laughs> oh my god, I thought you were going to go like the Barbie route. I didn't know where this was going. <laughs> yeah, because you haven't seen Megan. Yeah, I don't. Oh my god, sorry. Okay. Um, just another fun momentum fun fact. Uh-huh. This has nothing to do with to Leslie, but um, momentum released the movie Hoodwinked, which is like an animated yes. girl power t- retelling of um, Red Riding Hood or something. And Hoodwinked has virtually no cultural footprint, and it's not good, well animated, um, and no one has thought about it in years. But it has one of the most detailed wikipedia pages i have ever seen go to the hoodwinked wikipedia page right now and just just look at it listeners listener out there scott who is the listener go to the hoodwinked wikipedia page he doesn't listen my boyfriend does not listen to this podcast and just look at how long it is this is yeah this is um (laughs) who wrote this i don't know (laughs) what but whoever it is is in Hasbro's payroll. That's true, and that person is probably the person it's... who created the Oscar campaign for To Leslie. Yeah, it's the same Have... person that wrote the tweets for To Leslie. <laughs> um, and you know, goes without saying. Did uh, did you see To Leslie? No, Maybe obviously she is not. amazing. Maybe no. she's amazing. I've Why heard that Mark... anyone sent me the screen. I've heard that Mark Maron's really good in it, and that she like acts in it, which is like whatever. She, I don't need do to you see not like, like a. Her? She's good. I don't need to see, like, a 40-year-old white woman, like, pretend to be an alcoholic. I live in London. That's, like, every <laughs> single person here. Yeah, I, I couldn't be less interested. But it, it is fun when, I don't know, a random indie no. film gets in here. But your no, conspiracy theory makes it not feel fun. No, I don't think it is fun because it just proves that the, the Oscars, no matter how, like, nice their nominations are, will continue to just pander to the whims of, like, the elite white celebrities like this this nomination is probably kicked out viola davis or daniel deadweiler viola davis for the woman king yeah. and daniel deadweiler for till like it kind of sucks i don't like it like it's just it's, yeah 
it's annoying because you'll never see Hollywood or like a grassroots campaign orchestrated around a woman of color or a person of color. You'll just see this for the white ladies club. Do you feel bad now? <laughs> yes, I personally feel bad for Andrea Rice Burroughs <laughs> Oscar nomination. Um, I mean, just to just to throw just to throw some support behind other white women. <laughs> I do want to acknowledge that Margot Robbie has been totally robbed this entire award season. She is fantastic in Babylon. Like, my Brad Pitt thing was, like, kind of a bit, kind of not a bit. This is not a bit. Margot Robbie's incredible in this and um, absolutely deserves to be in this category, and I'm pretty bummed. I knew she wasn't going to be recognized, um, but I'm bummed about it. I would have been fine with an Indian person never, ever getting any sort of Academy recognition if they gave Margot the Oscar. Um, but she's not even nominated. That's so. really big of you. That's really big of you. <laughs> Speaking of Indian representation, what happened to RRR? Oh, God. Why isn't that in the... I, I thought that people... I thought that was maybe going to get a Best Picture nom, and it's not even in Best, Best International. India didn't place it forward for Best International. So the cool thing about RRR is that, like, Indians... White people love it, but Indians yeah. don't. And you want to know why? Because it's just like, it's a, you know how there's good movies and there's Netflix movies? Yeah. <laughs> there are good Bollywood films and then there are Netflix then Bollywood this. films. And Indians are like, why? There's so many great Bollywood films. Why are you guys freaking out about, about mm. this Netflix I haven't seen it version? yet. I haven't seen it yet. It's fine, but like, watch Kalhonaho, watch Iklavia, watch okay. Bajira Mastani. Don't watch Iklavia. Watch Parinita, watch Bajira Mastani, watch, I don't know, Om Shanti Om if you want a masala film. Yeah, do you think that this is just people's first experience, like, watching a Bollywood film? Yes. Every single one person who's watching RR is like, that's crazy. It doesn't have a genre. There's so many songs and dances. What's all, What's this crazy choreography? It's like, watch a single Bollywood yeah. movie. Like, clearly, clearly they weren't in our global film theory class at the no. London School of Economics, taught by Professor Shaku Banaji. <laughs> Because and, and we watched some Bollywood films. We watched such bad Bollywood films in that Yeah, I know. As well. They were awful. They, but but yes, they were I fun. I like the callback. Yeah, they were fun. No, it's yeah, fun. It's a fun film, but it's like, it's, I mean, it, Lagan is probably the best film we watched in that class. Um, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Whatever. Um, Natu Natu is a fun song, I guess. It's going to win best best song. Okay. Yeah, so I was surprised by the best international film. Obviously, All Quiet on the Western Front is in here, and traditionally, whatever the the film that's made it into Best Picture Race then wins in this category. Argentina, 1985. I haven't seen this film. It won at the Golden Globes. I don't really know about it. Um, Close, we obviously saw at the Cannes Film Festival because we're so hip. A24 hasn't even released this film yet, though. Like, it's fully not a 2022 film. It is for me and you, but, like, for anyone else, it's not out yet. <laughs> so I'm a little confused by that. Um, then we have EO, the Polish donkey movie <coughs> that I haven't seen yet. And then The Quiet Girl, again, haven't seen yet. I'm the worst movie podcaster ever. It's supposed to be fantastic. But I was really surprised that Decision to Leave wasn't in here. Park Chan-wook's uh, film that we also saw at Cannes. I guess they decided to leave it out. Stop. <laughs> I'm canceling you. Close also has been out in like Europe. It just hasn't been out. In oh, the, really? In the States. It's, 
Yeah, I don't think it's out here. I didn't expect it to be nominated, but still bummed that Broker, which we saw at Cannes, Corey Ida's film, isn't in here. That's my favorite film in a foreign language that came out this year. Um, you're nodding vigorously. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You can't. Yes. Yeah, that was um, that was a great film. Um, I think The Quiet Girl might be my favorite of those, but I think that it, I, uh, I don't know. I think All Quiet in the Western Front probably has it. Um, what is The Quiet Girl about? I've heard amazing things about this. It's 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 about a quiet girl. I don't know what else to say. It's it's um it's a like a woman coming, it's like just a, like us. It's like a really tender coming of age story um about like a very introverted nine year old ten year old girl uh who spends the summer at her like uncle and aunt's house um and that's it. Okay. It's just a really it, a if you like. If you like coming of age stories centered around women or girls, um, I and hate like, women. <laughs> you do famously, and if you I like, famously like, really... detest women, and if you put girl or woman in the title of your film, I will not watch it. Oh, do you vote for the Academy? Are you an Academy member? <laughs> Almost, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> um, but it's really beautiful and it's really tender. So, uh, I'd give it a watch. It's in okay. Um, it, I would suggest subtitles, though, because it is, it's a Gaelic film, and when they're speaking English, it's difficult. I, w- I would suggest subtitles. Okay, gorgeous. All right. Uh, are there any other categories we want to hit? Let me see. Uh, I don't... I we didn't I talk about that. the writing category, and I don't mean any disrespect to writers. I was raised by a writer, so she'll be very disappointed. I just don't have anything to say here. I love that Top Gun Maverick is in the screenplay category. Um, yeah, I not not one that I would pick. Living my worst film of the year, also in the adapted <laughs> screenplay category. Um, original screenplay is always my favorite category. I feel like they give this every year to like a really talented, like unexpected film that you wish was best picture like get out one in this category it's the cool um, kids club i think that it's um, cool kids banshees club. i think banshees is going to win original screenplay and everything everywhere all at once is going to win best picture okay that's my that's that. my take on it i'll take that yeah i don't but, think everything would win for screenplay over like directing or best picture yeah. but it's... but the academy does love like circle jerking to French film or like things that the French love so maybe Triangle of Sadness will take it can I I say circle jerking on this podcast I think I think jerk is not a bad word yeah (laughs) um I I think that's a you know that's a film about its directing I don't think the script is particularly like something to write home about Belfast got it last year (laughs) I don't I don't have anything to say about that. That's fucking weird. I mean, last year was the first Oscars that I didn't watch live because I was living in England, and I just woke up to all the texts about Will Smith. Um, so then not I talking to about watch that, it. not no, engaging not in that discourse. That. No, um, I have no interest. I'm just saying that's the only that was like the big thing that happened and Coda winning. Um, bad night for I, movies. I'd say as a Top Gun stan, I think uh-huh. the only award. Like, that it should have been nominated for that it didn't was Best Cinematography. All right, I don't know why it's in Best Adapted Screenplay, but it shouldn't be. It should be in Best Cinematography. It is one of the most coherent, well-shot action films we've had in a very long time. 
But no, we have Bardo and Empire of Light. And I love Roger Deakins. I famously printed out photos of, I, ca- I like, like photoshopped Roger Deakins as a skater boy to bring together my two loves, cinematographer Roger Deakins and skater boys. Um, mm-hmm. And I printed them out as posters in my room. It was very cool. Uh, no, it wasn't. I love yeah, it, but I, Empire of Light, no bad movie. I also, I yeah, this was a year of like movies that seemed obvious for like you know when they were making it, they definitely thought it was an Oscar movie um, that didn't end up get noticed, getting noticed at all. So Bardo would be one of them. Like Alejandro Inarritu, just his film being irrelevant is so strange how that happened. Empire of Light. Like, no one saw this. I have a screener sitting downstairs. I still haven't seen it. Um, seemed like such an awards movie. And then the other one is Noah Baumbach's film, White White Noise. That didn't end up anywhere. No one's seen it. No one cares about it, which I've I love. <laughs> is it good? The novel is one of my favorites, and this is the best mm. adaptation you're going to get of this okay. book. What a winning what a winning review on White Noise. Read the book. Um... But yeah, I agree. That's a little. That's odd that um, that Top Gun's not in best cinematography. Yeah. Uh, I will say for like an unexpected pick on this, I love the cinematography in Tar. Of course, feels like a horror movie. We love um, it. Um, oh, 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 oh! <laughs> um, best original song. Uh, Taylor <laughs> didn't get it. She's been, <laughs> which is really funny, um, for where the crawdads sing. But Rihanna That's got a not nom. A good song. Lady Gaga got a nom, and um, uh, Mitski, Mitski and David Byrne. I love that. I love that. But what about what about you ain't nothing but a hound dog? That is the best. That should be the best song. <laughs> Did you like my performance? You say <laughs> the Dojo one. You ain't nothing but yes. a dog. I think yeah, the well, Dojo Cat song it, from Elvis is the absolute best song yeah, of the year. Yeah, she sh- it it should have been hers to win, but I think there were some el- eligibility rules. Just like when um Lana Del Rey's Young and Beautiful wasn't nominated for the Oscars, um, for Great Gatsby, uh, the but Academy just like doesn't stand- understand taste. But that was a standalone. That was a standalone song. She didn't write that for the film. Um, I think the I think Doja Cat she, song is for Elvis. No, but the Doja Cat one, I think it's considered a remix, so it wasn't eligible. Like they have weird eligibility oh rules. God. Yeah, it's the great, it's the greatest song. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, no, um, Doja, Doja rocks. I'm just glad sorry, it's not like a stupid is, Disney song. Okay, what is um, "Tell It Like a Woman" in the best uh, original song category? What is I that? I think it's like an anthology film of just like stories about women so obviously you would obviously like we we would never see that it's dumb diane warren has now i think been nominated for 14 oscars or 13 oscars she's never won one i think the academy gave her an honorary oscar last year just to like placate her um but i love that for her what's the name of oh egot this this is the category where egots are born we'll see yes. We'll see. Could be. Could be Rihanna. No, I think it'll be. It'll be the song from RRR. They not do not do. But oh boy, do I want it to be David Byrne and Mitski. Are you a Mitski fan? Are you a David I'm Byrne fan? I'm I have a David Byrne tattoo. Through. You have a David Byrne tattoo. I have a Talking Heads tattoo. I wouldn't say like I'm a fan, but I'm not not a fan. Nice. Like, I support. I think that concludes. I. I mean, we didn't hit some of them, but I can't give it all. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. We didn't talk about that. That Oscar-nominated film. 
Um, I can't wait to see Puss in Boots. I've heard it's great. <laughs> I've heard great things. I, I, I think still, it's... I still need to see Marcel the Shell. Yeah, that one's lovely. Um, I think it's going to go to uh, Pinocchio, though. Yeah, Pinocchio. That'll win for that. And then, I feel like it wasn't a big year for documentaries. None of these titles, like, have really popped. Other than, I really need to see, um, I really yeah. need to see All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I've seen All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, and I've seen Fire Fire um, of Love, and I really, really love Fire of Love. Okay, but you didn't love All the Beauty and the Bloodshed? Um, I did, I did. Um, it just made me really angry because it's about the Sackler family. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's the most high profile out of this group. Yeah, I, but oh um, my god, wait, we need to talk about just slightly the documentary yes. shorts. Do you have that on I, your list? No, because I wasn't planning on discussing them. Okay, um, let's just read the names of the films that are nominated for the documentary shorts category. Go for it. Do you have it in front okay. of you? Um, well, you can cut stuff out, can't you? <laughs> yes, I will. Okay, perfect. Oh no, not documentary shorts. Oh my god, uh, that's why <gasps> it looked weird. I meant best animated shorts. My bad. Okay. Nominees. The nominees are... The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. <laughs> the flying sailor. Ice okay. merchants. My year of dicks. What? And an ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it. <laughs> These are the filmmakers of tomorrow. I love it. The future I, is bright. I want this to be the year of dicks. I want. I'm so excited for that one. I love the shorts. I love when the at the at the at the movies at the cinema when they have the little live action and animated programs and you can watch all of them at once. And there's always some really delightful stuff in here. I can't wait to see the Year of Dicks. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> genuinely. Now imagine like like Warren Beatty or like someone like having to say that. You know what I mean? Oh or like Helen God. Mirren. Like, I, or uh, Regina Hall. She is my favorite awards <laughs> presenter ever. Yeah. Um, Her oh. performance at the Golden Globes will go down as one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> um, is that when she was like sheltering in place in Santa Barbara? <laughs> yes, yes. The backstory on this <laughs> is that um, so Regina Hall is presenting um, an award at the Golden Globes, which was very silly this year. Everyone was drunk. It turned out to actually be a hilarious award show. And earlier in the day, like the Hollywood Reporter, I got an alert. It said, um, what is his name? The lead of Yellowstone, that he was really sad. He couldn't, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner was really sad. He couldn't come to the Golden Globes this year because he was sheltering in place because it was raining in California. Um, which obviously not to minimize, people did die in the flooding, and it's it's a terrible situation. Um, but picturing Kevin Costner sheltering in place in Santa Barbara uh, is beautiful. Anyway, Regina Hall is presenting the award, and she's reading off the teleprompter, and she's like, why does it always say, like, he so wishes he could be here? Like, she's, like, rolling her eyes, like... Of course he said that, like, he didn't care about coming. And then she keeps reading, and in the teleprompter it says, like, he's sheltering in place in Santa Barbara. <laughs> and she just starts cracking up on the stage and is like, all right, yeah, we're let's send thoughts and prayers to Santa Barbara. <laughs> 
Um, so I'd really love for her to present this year's best animated short to the Year of Dicks. <laughs> I think that could be a premiere moment for the comeback of the Oscars. Does that, does that conclude our Oscars roundup? Yeah, I think it does. Um, Thanks I... so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say? Sorry, didn't we end? Did we end recording? I'm assuming that we've ended recording. I mean, we're still recording because we're on together. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's over. We might okay. want to... We might want to say we might want to say a closing piece. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? Um, I, I, can you somehow just like put the end of Babylon to, like in the final thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just you mean like the music? Yeah. Maybe we should say a little a little ditty. We'll clo- we'll close this out with a musical with a musical sampling from. The best film of the year, perhaps the best film of the decade. Sus and Boots, the last wish. Thanks for listening.